0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: First fruit of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amen. That doesn't sound like a random promise. Sounds pretty intentional, pretty specific. Honor the Lord with your substance, the first fruit of all thine increase. And in doing so, thy barns will be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Amen. May the Lord bless you, and you can be seated. I said Sunday in our um, second service, I read to you from Malachi 3 and 10 and also 3 and 11. And we find from those two passages of scriptures that God not only promised to bring provision into our life, but he also said that he would bring protection. He said, I will, I will protect you from the devourer. I will stop that. And so he didn't just promise to bless us, but he promised that he would open the windows of heaven and that he would rebuke the devourer. And so he said, I will bless you with everything that you need and in addition to that, I will stand guard at the door of your heart, your home, your life and I will keep the enemy out. Amen, I'm thankful for the promises of the Lord that are yea and amen. This evening, my, my subject specifically, I wanna speak to you about the principle of first. The principle of just putting God first in our lives. He is first. Amen. And nothing should take the place of the Lord. In thinking about the subject, the principle of first, it stands to reason that it wouldn't take nearly as much faith to give God of our last fruits as it would to give God of our first fruits. Or if to to stray a little bit away from biblical language, it wouldn't take a whole lot of faith to give God what's left over instead of what we begin with. And so if we would look in the book of Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she bare again his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Let's talk just a minute about the hearts of these two men. These are pretty common Bible characters for most of this audience just by my observation here this evening. I would think that these are two names you would recognize and maybe would even know much of the back story The Bible says in the book of Jude, chapter 1 and verse 11 Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Korah. And so, if we think about the scripture in its its command or in its uh, warning that says, Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain. The way of Cain, he said, and ran greedily, ran greedily after the error of Balaam. And so the way of Cain would project to us the spirit of greed. And that is very much a spirit that is alive and well today in our society. And so some people, that is the very, very base root of why they do not give is because Greed is at the door of their heart and in their life, and in the spirit of rebellion, they resist doing what the Word of God teaches them to do. Amen. Now they don't believe that they would actually have more if you give something away because they're only looking at it through the eyes of men. I, I was talking to a man recently, and uh, and uh, I, I asked for none of this. We were just we were just talking and. Out of the blue, he was talking about his life before the Lord. And he said, uh, "He said, I'll tell you, before I came to the Lord, he said, I was the most greedy and stingy, excuse me, the most stingy person you'd ever want to meet. He said, I wouldn't have given you a dime if your life depended on it. And uh, he just began to talk about how stingy he was before the Lord. He said, all I really cared about was making money and it wasn't necessarily this dollar but that I had but it was the dollar that I was chasing and and uh, things of that nature. And then he went on to talk about after he came to the Lord and and started serving the Lord that that God began to deal with him about giving and so he began to give and and the Lord began to change him from the man that he was after he began to give and he said it was only after I started giving that the Lord allowed me to have some of the dreams and fulfilled in my in my own life. He said some beyond my wildest imagination as a matter of fact without even any prompting he began to share with me some particular business ventures that he felt that God specifically dealt with him about if you will just do this. He didn't really understand why that the Lord had prompted him to do that but he just felt that the Lord would do that, that the Lord had prompted me and he did that and the Lord blessed him and he began to share with me how much he blessed him and now I want you to really not take this out of context, he was not boasting whatsoever, you can tell when people are, are uh, doing that and when they're just testifying, he was very humbly speaking about what the Lord and and uh, he shared all of this with just a huge measure of humility and when he got through talking, it was almost kind of uh Um, as though he had said too much. And he said, I'm not even sure why I told you all of that. But I was pretty confident that I knew why he told me that. Because he had no idea that I'd been teaching on this very subject. And I believe the Lord was just trying to help me be confirmed in some things my own self about about what we're dealing with. I think the Lord allowed that particular conversation to happen just to underline the importance of what we're doing and how God can prompt us and bless us. And I wanna, again, underline, I don't want us to lose our motive here because we need to give to give, not give to get, but to give to give and let the spirit of the Lord bless us. Now, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 19, the Bible says, the foolishness of men perverteth his way and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Another translation of this very passage of scripture says people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they get angry with God. Amen. Now I'm going to tell you that not a few of us have watched that play out in the lives of people that through their own wayward living and the scripture says that if you sow to the wind you're going to reap a whirlwind and and, uh, we have ourselves sadly watch people begin to reap that whirlwind in their lives. And then if you're not careful, you can get angry with God about things that really and truly we planted the harvest ourselves. Amen? And so we have to be very careful. So the foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth then against the Lord. So we have to guard ourselves against that. If We consider that in contrast to the heart of Abel. The scripture says in Hebrews 11 and four, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. And so here it is, this first fruit. It is putting God first in our lives. And I'll assure you today that I heard a, a pastor say one time many years ago he was talking about new converts and, and, and trying to bring them through uh, discipleship courses and get their feet under them as far as living for God and, and he just made this observation and I'll share this with you because this is, an adult, uh, this is an adult audience and I think you can handle this and he said there's one thing I've noticed as a pastor about new converts he said finances is the last thing you get and it's the first thing you lose. Because it is intricately tied to our heart. And so that is sometimes the very last thing that we are willing to relinquish. And it is the first thing we take back when something doesn't go our way. And so we have to be very careful. And so if we can get the principle of putting God first then we won't have any trouble putting God first. If we can put him first financially, we certainly won't have any trouble putting him first in other areas of our lives. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves our faithfulness. And the list could go on and on and on. And so it takes real faith to give God the first fruits. Now, again, I would say that it would not have taken nearly as much faith for the widow woman to have obeyed Elijah and giving him what was left over. When he said, I need a cake, bake me a cake, it wouldn't have taken nearly as much faith to say, just as soon as we finish lunch here, I'll happily fix you a basket, and you can have what's left over. But he said, bake me a cake first. How how selfish, if we read this scripture just outside of the context of spiritual understanding. And he said to a... Woman who just said, my son and I, I'm gathering sticks and we're gonna build a fire and we're gonna cook and then we're going to die, am I right? We're gonna die, this is pretty serious business and this man pops in on the scene and says, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, bake me a cake first. That takes a lot of faith, living in that mill barrel, cruise of oil faith. And so the prophet said, I want you to give me that first. There is an interesting it leads to me interesting, I don't want to be presumptuous here. passage of scripture in the book of Joshua chapter six. Whenever Joshua and the children of Israel are coming into Jericho, they have been promised, I think in verse one that uh, there is the city, verse one or two, I have given it unto you into your hand. it already belongs to you. And then the Lord talks to them about not taking anything from that city with them, and uh, just you just leave everything there with one exception, there was one exception that is found in verse number 19, and when you get to verse number 19, the Bible says, but all the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord, now why, Uh, why, this seems rather odd, what is all this about, because you, you said don't take anything with you and now you're saying take these gold and vessels and if you have any understanding of scripture, you understand the importance certainly of gold and, and the vessels and the things that have been dedicated to the Lord. He said we're gonna take these and I want you to put them into the treasury of the Lord. Jericho, if you remember, was the very first city when they came to when they came into Canaan. Canaan. We're talking about the principle of first. Amen, when you get there and what you get there that is of value, the gold, the silver, amen, the vessels of brass and iron, I want you to take the first thing that you get and there they're conquering. These men and this group of people have conquering on their mind because God has promised that I will give this to you and he gives them explicit instructions about how many days to march around the wall and how many times to march around the wall, when to keep silent, when to shout, on and on and on. They've got, they've got conquering on their mind. And so the Lord said, when you get there and you see those things of value, <laughs> those things of most value, silver, gold, vessels of brass and iron, he said, you bring that with you, they're yours for your faithfulness. No, no, no. They're yours for your years of hard labor and all, all of that you've been through. He said, no, you take those and give those to God. The principle of first, amen, this is the first city, the first thing that you're gonna conquer, this is the first thing that you will have and you give that to God, amen. God was saying this to them, if you will give that to me first, I will both protect and provide for you as you make your way on into Canaan, amen. I'm thankful for the principle of first that God said if you'll do this, I will take care of the rest, amen, amen. God was saying that. Genesis 22 tells the epic story of Abraham offering Isaac unto the Lord. After he had him on the altar, the angel of the Lord called his name again. If I may, at the risk of sounding redundant, I just want to insert this. I try to almost every time that I mention Genesis 22 because I think it's so important. The Lord laid this on my heart as a very young minister and And the angel of the Lord, when Abraham was just minding his own business in the very beginning verses of this chapter, said, Abraham, where are you? And he said, here am I, Lord. If I could just draw that little mental line in your your mind right now. Here I am, Lord. Here am I. Three days, he said, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, the son whom you love, and I want you to go to a place that I will tell thee of, Three days later, he finds himself at Mount Moriah. The Lord says to offer him there for a sacrifice. His world, his life, everything that, that God had ever promised him now seemingly is about to be taken away. And when he draws back the knife, am I still in scripture now? When he draws back the knife, the angel of the Lord says the same thing. Asks the same question. Abraham, where are you? And Abraham said, here I am. I'm right where you left me when everything was well. I'm right where you left me when before you asked this of me. I'm right where you left me before I ever left home and packed up anything. And I'm gonna tell you tonight that it is so important that we stay have the ability to say, here am I, Lord. Amen, whether I am high or whether I'm low, things are going my way or against me. I don't wanna lose my place in the Lord. If Abraham had lost his place in God through bitterness and indifference, it is highly probable that he would not have heard the voice of God. And so I say, Lord, no matter where I am, if I'm at home and all is well, or if I am on top of Mariah about to lose everything I thought that was a promise of you, I wanna stay secure in your hand. Amen, that was just a word from our sponsor. Let's move, let's just move right on here. <laughs> the principle of first. The Lord said something interesting to Abraham. Brother Rayleigh, I've heard him point this out more than one time in his teaching through the years. He said, the Lord said to Abraham, now I know. It's as though they just met day before yesterday. Now I know. It's as though no no other event has ever unfolded between god and abraham but he said now i know he saw into the deepest portal of his heart god knew that abraham at this point would keep nothing back from him and so when he realized that god would give him of the first then i will not only protect but i will provide so he protected he protected the first and he protected abraham by stopping him and then he provided the sacrifice of the ram that was caught in the thicket, and then something interesting happened. Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Now, some of you may be thinking that Isaac was not the first son of Abraham, and that Ishmael was the first son of Abraham, but while you may be true chronologically, Ishmael was not the first son of promise, I mean, Ishmael wasn't a part of this because Ishmael was a product of doubt and unbelief. Ishmael was a product of impatience. Ishmael, Ishmael was a product of we'll fix this ourselves. We got this. We can take care of this. Amen. And so he was not only, he was not a part of that. And so the only reason that Ishmael was blessed at all was because he was of the seed of Abraham, but he was not a part of God's plan. As a matter of fact, in time, Ishmael began to mess with and poke fun of and laugh, the Bible says, at the promise of God. And there was conflict between Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael started this. He started that by laughing at him. And so the son of unbelief, could not abide under the roof with the son of promise because Sarah said they gotta go. You have got to get rid of the bond woman and her son. Amen. God wanted from Abraham that first. I want the son of promise. And so once Abraham gave Isaac, the angel stopped him because he proved that I will give God my first. I will give my, I will give God my first. And so God protected and then God provided, and I will promise you that is a line of continuity you can find all throughout scripture, and if that's not enough for you, if we could resurrect the dead tonight, and we could have this great cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews tells about, I'm going to tell you what they would be saying right now, they'd be saying yay and amen, yay and amen, <laughs> I, I will I will share this with you, a, a pastor friend of mine, some a few years ago, two or three years ago was invited to speak at a church he was very busy, his schedule was he is a very busy person and so they asked him to speak at this uh, just kind of a general event and uh, he said well I, I will pray about it and the Lord had laid on his heart a message to pray, he called the pastor of that church that would be hosting that meeting and he said I will agree to come but I think it's only fair to tell you that this is what the Lord laid on my heart to preach and he, so he just began to share with him about the Lord wanted him to share the power of baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, which was kind of counter what was normally preached in that particular church, and the pastor agreed, and so he got up and began to preach that, he said it wasn't, you know, a whole lot of response, but he was preaching that message, and he said when he got through preaching, there was a lady in the back that stood up, and she said, what that man just preached is true. (laughs) Amen, she said, I've been a member of this church for X number of years, and she told how long she had been a member of that church. She said, but before I started going here, My husband and I attended a tent revival and that tent revival we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, amen, and we were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sin. What I'm saying tonight is that God will bear witness and if we could resurrect the dead, there would be a host of people, amen, not just because I'm speaking, I want you to extract me out of this statement, amen, but I believe there would be the host, that great cloud of witness that was point in here and say, what that man is teaching is the truth, because it is in this book. Amen. Furthermore, we wouldn't even have to resurrect the dead. We could pass this microphone right here in this very house, and some of you could stand and say, yay and amen, this is true, this is true, this is true. Amen. And so the protection and the blessings will follow. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse number 33, very powerful, powerful principle, but seek ye First, the principle of first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that God will, if we will, if we will put him first, God will take care. I don't want to call them trivial matters in our life. God will take care of the day to day matters in our life. He knows what we have need of and he is more than capable of answering that particular need. And so our identity is bound up in our actions. And so it's easy to say we have faith but it is more difficult to act on that faith, to put it into action. And so, One of those areas, of course, one of those areas is in the areas of giving. Amen, and so as we give unto God, we are affirming that we believe him to be our provider, that he can and will protect, and that he can and will stand guard, that he can and will rebuke the devourer of our soul for our sake. I am preaching to people tonight. I am teaching to people this evening that have given their last to God, and God has still provided beyond anything they could dare think, dream, or imagine. Amen. You have put God first, and God has provided. Let's talk about uh, Luke chapter 9, and and, uh, in this, I mentioned some of this Sunday, but let me speak a little more specifically to it real quickly about the feeding of the 5,000. Amen. Since we're most familiar with this, I'm just going to Got to jump straight into my point from Sunday. I think the key to this entire miracle, here's 5,000 people that have gathered. The day has grown long. The people have grown weary and they are hungry. And so one of the disciples realizes that there among them are just a little bit of fish, a little bit of bread, not nearly enough to feed this multitude, but the Lord said, set them down in companies, and he said, now I want you to bring that to me, and the Bible says, they brought the fish and the loaves to Jesus, they placed it in his hand, and then the scripture says, let's watch this carefully, that he took the five loaves, and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them he break and he gave to the disciples to set before the multitude just keep that verse there for just a moment jesus took them jesus blessed them jesus broke them and then jesus gave them amen but you see the whole point the the reason there was a miracle he took them blessed them broke them gave them they distributed them not only was the five thousand plus women and children fed But we know there were 12 baskets that remained, amen? Uh, But here is the whole key, that in order for it to be multiplied, it has to first be blessed. And in order for it to be blessed, it has to be placed into the hands of the Lord. We have to give it back to him in order for the Lord to bless it. It's just a test, amen? If the disciples had begun to break that fish and break that bread before Jesus blessed it, it would have never been multiplied multiplied. It would have only fed a scant handful that were there and they would have only just had a morsel. It would have never been multiplied. So it had to be returned in order for it to be multiplied. Therefore, when we give back to God, especially if we're talking about tithing, amen, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. I'm just returning this back. Amen. I'm giving this back. Amen. And I want you to bless this Lord. You don't even have to ask him to do that. That's his word. He will bless that. He will pour out blessings that we can't contain. Why? Because it belongs to him anyway. Somehow, some way, at all cost, we have to break the spirit of mammon in our life. I said uh, when we began teaching on this that there's no real easy way or no simple way, shortcut, to break the back of mammon, you've got to be pretty radical. Amen? Right. you got to be pretty intentional. I just I don't want to scare you with the word radical. But we got to be intentional. And every now and then, when you reach for a five, and the Lord says ten, and the devil says one, Or the devil says go to the bathroom. Or go get some water. Or you better go check on so and so. (laughs) Just got all up in everybody's business. You got a decision to make. And so to show the devil who's boss, you got to be intentional about that. And it may hurt your feelings. Amen, I'm not, I wouldn't preach to you anything that I haven't done myself. Amen, I would be scared to death to do that. So we have to be intentional about the spirit of mammon. Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Notice that last line, you cannot serve God and mammon. Luke 16 and 10, he that is faithful in that which is least, this is a little wordy, so stay with me here. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant, again, a very similar scripture. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word The word mammon is used four times in scripture. It's the only thing that Jesus said that you can't serve me and this. So this is serious business. If God puts something beside him and says you got a choice to make, we better really get a snapshot of this other character in the frame Amen, we had really better get a mental note of this because I don't wanna even play footsies with this other guy. I don't even wanna try to hold hands over the top of the table with this if the Lord said it can't be done. So we need to know what mammon is. Mammon is wealth or riches that have a strong negative connotation to it. It represents that prideful spirit. We don't need God to get alone attitude. I got this. I got this. We are overwhelmed with the spirit of mammon in our day because we didn't have to pray about what we were going to eat before church tonight or we haven't even worried one, one whit about whether or not we will eat breakfast tomorrow. We're just trying to decide what we want for breakfast tomorrow, right? Right? what we're gonna wear or what we're gonna drive and things of that nature. The spirit of mammon is a spirit that can rest in finances if we're not careful and so the money we have is either gonna be about God or it will be about mammon. Jesus said you will love one and hate the other or are loyal to one and despise the other and hear me tonight. Mammon is always in pursuit. Mammon is always looking for servants. Mammon is always seeking for control in our lives so we have to be very careful about the spirit of mammon mammon makes promises that it can't keep as a matter of fact mammon makes promises that only God can keep and God can provide because mammon says if you have enough of me then you will have security the more money you have the more secure you will be not necessarily so some think money if I had enough money it would give me real true identity no not necessarily with enough money, then we would have freedom. We could do what we want, and go where we want, and be what we want to be and I understand I understand the context in which I speak this, but that 's not necessarily so that will be only limited to what life presents us otherwise. Some people think if we just had enough of Mammon, that we would have happiness amen that our Marriage would be better, our family will be better, our children will be happier, and everything will all just be wrapped up in this, but that is not necessarily so because there are men and women tonight that could buy and sell everybody in this house all day long who don't even know the meaning of happiness. they're empty inside, so it can't you can't buy the things that Mammon is saying I can provide in truth, only God can provide those things. Amen, only God can give us real security. Only God can give us true identity. Only God can make us free. The Bible says whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And only God can bring true joy and happiness in our life. Mammon, truth in truth. Mammon is the spirit of antichrist. Now think with me for just a moment. The antichrist does not influence through the threat of war. But the Antichrist threatens by not being able to buy what you want. Am I right? Amen. And so, Mammon. Amen, is a very anti-Christ spirit. And so the spirit of mammon speak to us when we are trying to commit to things like we are trying to commit to today. I wanna commit to the kingdom of God. I wanna commit to uh, our, our missions program, our building program, or things of that nature. We gotta wrestle with mammon because mammon says we need to keep this for ourselves. Mammon says we need to stick this back for a rainy day. That's why we must conquer the spirit of mammon because that is an anti-Christ spirit. That is a spirit That says, I've got this, I can pay that bill, I can meet this need, I can provide this, I have got, I can do all of this myself. Can do all of this myself. And so, that is certainly not to imply, do I, I don't even want to remotely leave the impression that I believe that money is evil or that having anything in life is evil. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It is the pursuit and the love of that, it's not the money, but the love of money, the scripture says, and the word love here uh, comes from the word lust, there's something about that, not pure love, it's not true love, not real love, but a lustful love, serving mammon then is the root of all evil, amen, because we are loving and serving a false God, something very, very elusive. I want to pause here maybe and just share something with you that would, I hope be a blessing to you. Our our global missions division in United Pentecostal Church strives to keep diligent records as close as possible around the world, not only of contributions, but certainly of revival reports around the globe. Now, obviously, there's no way to track every miracle that takes place in every conference or every church that's held around the world, but one of the things that they do strive to keep as accurate records as they possibly can is the number of people that receive the Holy Ghost and are baptized. And so they they have a, a, a obviously a track of contributions and then they have record of how many people as closely as they can possibly get to how many people are baptized just say annually and receive the Holy Ghost annually. And through this, uh, there was a report not long ago that was published in one of our publications that said the Global Missions Department Division had had established that for every $300 that is spent in Global Missions, one person receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you follow me right here now, aren't you? Nobody bought the Holy Ghost for $300. But but for $300, just, just an average, I'm not trying to argue the scientific point, of this the science of this at all I'm just making a point and that point is this is that when we give the global missions we're not just building buildings and building Bible colleges and we're not just doing natural things although that's very very important and we need those natural buildings and lands and property and things of that nature but when people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost amen we are indirectly involved in the process of them being able to hear the gospel That's my whole point. Do you understand that? And so when we give to God, it's not just about giving to buy a block and mortar or giving to to buy a piece of our personal property, but somebody is being reached with the gospel. Amen. That Seeing people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that is the number one mission of the church. And so if we're not in the business of seeing people saved, then we are missing the target. Amen, so when we teach our children in Sunday school and when we teach our children in children's church and when we reach our young people through student ministries, amen, all of this is a result of giving. It's all here because people have contributed and have made it possible to have a building, made it possible to have property, made it possible to have an address so that people can come, amen, hear the gospel, receive the gospel themselves and begin to pass that on and so everything that is given that goes toward the utilities, of this building, the insurance of this building to keep any local assembly it indirectly affects souls (laughs) Amen Now you know Sister Donna is sick tonight and I I, I didn't get a chance to ask her this but I'm going to go out on a limb I doubt very seriously when she's typing out a check to pay the Swanee Valley for the electric bill for this church every month that she feels the Holy Ghost just guessing I'm just I'm just out on the limb brother Mike can stand and say no I have personally caught or slain in the spirit and he may want to correct this right here I don't know <laughs> when we pay our insurance premiums I doubt there's you know there's no cloud hovering over this church or the office or the computer software but we are indirectly by keeping the lights on and the gospel going and by giving Lives are being touched and changed. I'm not trying to move you emotionally. I'm trying to open our eyes to the principle of firsts. Amen. Money itself, of course, is not evil. It, it's neutral. It just depends on what you're using it for. Tonight, a knife in the hand of a surgeon will save a life. A hand in the a knife in the hand of a murderer will take a life. It's, it's neutral. It just depends on who's holding it. And so it brings this to bear, I think, a question this very moment. What should I do or what am I going to do with what God has given me? One writer said it like this. He said, honor God with the first and then be a good steward of the rest. Steward means to manage and, and to look after uh, as though you were looking after another one's property. And so the scripture I read a moment ago, and I, I never went back to that, but he said, if you're not, if you're not faithful over a little, who's going to entrust you with a lot? If you're not faithful over another man's property, who's gonna give you your own? Amen. And so we gotta be very, very careful. Luke 16 and 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in least is also unjust in much. And so God doesn't give much until he finds out what we're gonna do with little. (laughs) Amen. Amen. It's the principle of first. We want to ask our musicians if they will to come. And um, the landing gear is coming down so you can kind of relax here a little bit. The kingdom principle is this. Good stewards get more. Bad stewards get poor. And so the master in the parable of the talents took from the poor steward and he gave that to who? He gave that who had done the most. So when we give God the first and then we are good stewards with the rest, we can see what God will do. Verse uh, number 11 of Luke 16, the Bible says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? The true riches. I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but but if we have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, then who will commit to to your trust the true riches. If God can't trust us, I'm just gonna put this in our language now, you ready? If God can't trust us with a dollar bill, he sure is not gonna entrust us with an eternal soul. Amen. If God can't trust us with five dollars, he won't send a family for us to minister to their soul. That's the true riches. There's nothing more valuable than a soul. He said, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? So I pray God help us to be very careful and sensitive about that. Let's let's stand. Can we do that? I wanna close with a story, a true story. A few months ago, I was preaching for a friend of mine and he shared with me a, a very humbling story. It was a story of, of a man in his church that had been so incredibly faithful, so supportive of the church and in every way, not just financially, but in every way, and to his pastor. Sadly, um, this man died in a very unexpected fashion. And I guess according to our standards, a little bit at an early age. He had been such a key role and figure in in the uh, church. The pastor certainly had leaned on him so many times through the years, his support not just talking about dollars but just his support just being there he was a friend my friend told me he said when I found out that he had passed away he said the first thought I had is I don't know how I personally himself would go forward without my friend he said soon after his death his wife brought brought him her husband's Bible and she said you most likely will want to keep this and so he took the Bible and as he was telling me this story he got up from his desk and he walked over to a shelf and he picked up a Bible about this size and he came walking back over to me with this Bible and, and Brother Townsend it was filled filled with little notes handwritten notes this pastor just kind of opened it wherever it fell and he just picked up a couple of those notes, those handwritten notes that said things like, you always need to keep God first in your life. Don't ever underestimate the importance of the house of God. Pray for your pastor every day. He began to thumb through notes that were just similar handwritten notes all through this man's Bible. He was standing there with tears running down his face. I began to cry myself. He said it wasn't long after she brought him the Bible that one day she came to his office door, knocked on his door, had something in her hand extended, and she said, Pastor, you you may want to keep this as well. And he pulled out from the back of this man's Bible a check registry. And he opened that check registry And probably, I have just had a glance, it was probably just eight out of ten checks were written to the local church for missions and tithes and offerings and this and that and the other. While we were standing there looking at that, we both began to weep without shame, without reservation. I will promise you this, it's a moment I will never forget. I looked up at my friend and I just had the words of Matthew 6:21 on my heart for where your treasure is <laughs> where your treasure is there will your heart be also it's hard to deny that that was written down where your treasure is where your treasure is amen And so I say, Lord, tonight, help us to remember the principle of first. Let's keep God first. He will take care of every need. Yes, he will. Amen. Let's lift our voices together. Would you pray right where you stand? Amen. Let's magnify the Lord. Can we do it in song? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.